You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back, everybody, to the Oz Network as we move forward into another episode of Nip Tuck. We are into the ninth episode of the fourth season. It's called Liz Cruz. You might hear that name and think that sounds familiar because she's one of our beloved five main cast of this show, I guess you would say. Uh, Episode aired on the 31st of October 2006. It was written by Lynn Green and Richard Levine, Levine, whatever you want to say. It's directed by Richard Levine, Levine, whatever you want to say. And uh, my name is Ben, and God gave me a dick, and I intend to glorify him by playing that organ as intensely and as often as possible. That's the longest quote ever. Thank you. Uh, I'm Nick, and uh, come on, honey, let me nuzzle them a little bit. <laughs> that was the shortest quote ever. Um, <laughs> Liz Cruz, or as Nick would say, Liz Cruz. Um, yeah, I like this episode. I, mean, I say that with every single episode this season, I feel. Uh, we're obviously on a pretty epically long stretch of buy-its here. Uh, I feel it might continue this uh, week, particularly maybe with myself. I'm not sure about you, but we'll get to that. Uh, but yeah, we have, uh, we have a very uh, a very good episode, I feel, here, Nicholas. Yeah, it's an interesting episode. Um, I mean, there's there's um, definitely some interesting things to unpack in this episode. Um, yeah, yeah. Right, and and I was about to say, is this Alanis Morissette's first ever acting? I didn't know she was really known too much for acting um, before this. I mean, scrolling through IMDb, lots of stuff for musical stuff, actress. Let's have a quick look here because this is the Alanis Morissette episode. Uh, no, this is not her first. She was in Sex in the City. She was in Dogma. She was, um, oh, she was in You Can't Do That on television. I remember that show. I didn't know she was an actress before she became a singer. There you go. Look at this. Look at Ben not knowing much about Alanis Morissette. Um, she- That's, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting choice. It feels a little bit left field. Um, I mean, for me, it works really well. Yeah. But it's not necessarily something I probably would have would have been my go-to. So it'd be interesting to know what, what Ryan Murphy saw that made him go yep this is a good character to use for liz's girlfriend in this episode she was in 10 8 episodes of weeds so she was kind of a regular here and she's in three episodes here of nip tuck so um we will see her a couple more times i always thought this was a one-off but no we do see her a couple of times but uh yeah i mean look i was never the biggest alanis morissette music fan i guess i'm just a cliche one who knows a couple of her songs and i guess they're okay um, but I'm not like going to go and get a back catalogue or anything like that because of this episode. Anyway, um, I love the start of this episode. Christian drawing on this chart, just going absolutely crazy. I'm just drawing everywhere and Sean kind of stops him. And, uh, it's Liz. Uh, tell us what you don't like about yourself. And she's like, oh, I want a little lipo. And I just love Christian, Dick Christian. Yeah, that ought to do it. <laughs> and then kind of we just we hear her she's got a new girlfriend and um you know she's sort of telling him how about uh well she says dykes are the worst in terms of uh looking over each other uh her girlfriend's in shape her name's poppy they've been together for two weeks um and then liz is kind of you know sean doesn't want to do the surgery but liz basically threatens and says like if you don't do the surgery i'm going off to some other random doctor who again is like what our 30th one we get mentioned in the miami area probably um well i I think according to the the trivia on this is that the 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 one she says is mike hamui um who is the mario lopez character from a few episodes ago so there is actually a link oh okay well that shows how much i was paying attention to that um Anyway, so, yeah, so she basically said, I will leave and I'll go work for him. Um, and what did she say? I want the fat sucked out of me and I want the fat sucked out of me now. So, um, yeah, Liz is wanting uh, is wanting surgery. This is kind of the, the episode where we have our strong characters who are against things kind of flipping on their own opinions, isn't it, to possibly get surgery with things. Yeah, yeah, and and this feels quite a disingenuous turn to me. It, it just doesn't feel like the Liz character that that we've come. To. And you know, if she'd been seeing this woman for you know a few months, then then this might feel like it works. But it just feels like it came, comes completely out of left field. Um, I think we're starting to develop a bit of a theme in what I like and don't like on the show. And something I don't like is when these storylines just arrive out of you know like a bolt of lightning out of a blue sky I, I, I don't enjoy that and this is kind of where this feels this comes from i can see that i can definitely see that um but there's just something i kind of weirdly understand about i don't know like she's been through a lot and it's kind of she says like i just 
you know, recently had my kidney taken, I had to get a kidney transplant, I've done this, I've done that, I've done this, and kind of, you know, it's just for a bit of change. So, I mean, yeah, I can definitely see that. It just kind of come out of a little bit, but, uh, you know, kind of I think what the, the theme of this episode is love makes you do crazy things. So, um, and I, I definitely can relate to that. So, uh, maybe I'm sort of more in tune with a lot of the theme of this episode, maybe, and kind of why these characters are willing to do things that are kind of against their beliefs, if you know what I mean. But I can definitely see your point. So, um, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you have anything to say on that. I'm just rambling there. Um, but so we, we got James. We haven't seen James in a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, I love me some James. She's just getting some petrol and she's at a full service, uh, gas station service station and uh she's beeping a horn do you remember those i remember them growing up like my dad would pull into a service station and you know somebody would come out and fill the fill the tank up we don't i mean i think there might be a few around here and there but that's where the petrol's more expensive i don't go to those ones i go to the cheapo ones where i have to do it myself so i've never i guess experienced this in my life where somebody comes and does it for me yeah, no, it's uh, it's definitely not something we really have here in, in um, the land of the long white cloud. Yeah, we're, we're a do-it-yourself culture in New Zealand. Um, that sounded a bit dirtier than it meant to be. Um, and um, yeah, you definitely you definitely fill up your own car in New Zealand. I've uh, the one that I will say I've seen though, which is like a, it's a very American thing, is their pumps over there uh, to the extent of self-service where you just have the machine there at the pump. And I've seen them here. Like It's not like I've never seen them in Australia, but every time I've been to a, a gas station in America with someone, they don't even go into a shop and pay. It's just it's just the machine. You just swipe your card and then beep, 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 done, which I guess makes it easier for, you know, after hours. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think I've seen one in America that isn't self-service. So um, that's kind of... It's a lot more of a driving country, I guess, in between the, like, going on the road and stuff with all the states you can drive to. Um, I mean, New Zealand is kind of, I think, like Australia, where, like, yeah, I'm not saying road trips aren't a thing, but uh, it's it's a lot more of a, a laid-out land America where, you know, you've got all these places you can stop a lot and there's lots of things on the way in the road, whereas Australia, and from what I saw of New Zealand when I was there with you, it's kind of just, like, empty spaces for so much time, if you know what I mean, so... Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that's our uh, education on uh, petrol and gas stations here on the uh, Oz Network. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I do like this. I like this scene that kind of got this weird sort of music playing in the background, and then you kind of got these what French Asian guys. This is a thing I didn't know was a thing, and I'm not trying to be racist or disrespectful here, but I didn't realize you could get French Asians. Um, but sure, <laughs> have you ever met a French Asian before, Nick? Um, no, but you know this is Florida, and anything's possible. The, these two feel like they they step straight out of Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Yeah. You know, so they feel like they completely just stepped out of a, a yeah something like that. Yeah, I do kind of like them though. They're just kind of random. Um, and I just the thing I like about this episode, and the thing I like about the reveal here, is that kind of I've mentioned a few times with like James that she's not the big bad here. Like this is kind of like a season of Twenty Four where like you think you've met the big bad, but there's a big big bad. So kind of we this is our first kind of thing that you know we think James is the big bad she's you know we've had the big reveal that she's the one stealing the organs and you know we think this is all what she's doing she's the the mastermind behind this but this is where we find no even James has got a boss so we've kind of got these two GTA guys pouring uh, fuel all over her um, and intimidating her saying like you haven't met your quota. Uh, you know, we need uh, 24 hours to get another um, kidney here. But I, I just love the intimidation tactics here. Like, it's not even like they threaten at first. They just kind of rip her out of the car, pour fuel on her, and then he just lights that cigarette. And even, like, I feel it's very tense because the way he's just kind of, like, smoking and dangling the, the match. And Jacqueline Bassett is amazing here, just panicking. Um, I just love this scene. I think it's great. And then, um, you know, she gets the phone call. Uh, she answers in French. And then, you know, Christian's like, there's nothing sexier than a French whore. Um, and then he wants a prostitute. Uh, <laughs> I want a dazzling enough to give my dick amnesia. Uh, and then basically she's like, oh, yep, I know. I, I'll have someone there in 90 minutes. Uh, so yeah, I just, I don't know. I just love this scene. I just love everything James. He's just one of my favorite characters, random side characters in Nip Tuck. Yeah. Um, so my problem with this is that I, I think one of the things I've really enjoyed about the James character is that she's felt like, 
you know, she's felt really threatening. Um, and now all of a sudden you find that she's just another chain in the link, you know, that she's just now, a, she's just somebody else's goon. And that really disappoints me is because I really enjoyed seeing her as the, you know, the ultimate bad guy in this, in this season. So that's kind of gutting. Um, I'm a bit disappointed by that. That's not to take anything away from the scene. I think you're right. Like it is a good scene. It's, it's well done. Um, you know, and I think her, her kind of um, fear comes across really well in, in her acting. So um, I, I like the way the scene is laid out. I'm just disappointed that we had to go down this road. I, I, I enjoyed James as, as the kind of ultimate bad guy in the season. So it's a bit disappointing, but yeah. What I like, though, about this is that I don't know if you remember who the big bad is, essentially, but I love how this is all connected to the big, big bad. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, do you remember who it is or not really? Well, I'm pretty sure I know where this is going, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I just love that reveal. I just think kind of just I love how it all comes to falls into place with all these pieces. So, because um, I think, again, and I said this in the very first season, there was a storyline in the very first season which was kind of just a blink and you miss mention, but the fact that that kind of gets brought forward into this, that just it's all so tied in with each other, I just think it's very clever. And uh, whether or not Ryan Murphy had that planned all along, or maybe he just kind of sat down around a table at the beginning of this season and was like, hey, remember that time we mentioned this in season one? Let's make that a bigger deal, which is probably what is the case. Um, well, I mean, it definitely feels like we're, we're this whole season, and we've talked about it a lot, it, it feels like we, it is a big back to basic season, you know, like we've had this big Carver storyline, and it feels like they just, they cast around for what worked in season one and the first half of season two, because they wanted to get back to that kind of territory, that, you know, I don't know if you've really noticed it, but this does feel like, you know, we just talked about the, the, the Grand Theft Auto thing, but it does feel like, even if not it's in your face, it does feel a little bit more like we are in Florida again um it feels a bit more miami-ish um and 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 i think that's in large part because of the characters that we're getting on this show and the callbacks we're getting to season one um i mean i i agree with the season one i don't i honestly don't feel like we're back in miami here i with, with with the exception of a few passing references here and there um i think we felt more in miami in season one to be completely honest, um, I mean, I just, I just don't feel it. I just, I feel it's really just fallen away to the point where we just, it's just generic show in a generic city right now, and it's just, it's every now and then when we get the the reference of Miami or the Florida corrections, so, you know what I mean? Like it's just until we get those references, you kind of forget because we we don't even really get like um, exterior shots now, do we? Of like the city or like the beach or things like that. We just don't see it. Um, which, I mean, I know Nip Tuck isn't really a show that relies on exteriors, but it's still kind of... Yeah, I guess it's not so much about the the exteriors, but it's the the characters feel like they're out of... Yeah. You know, like, I think... And, you know, like, not not to spoil too much, but obviously, you know, we, we're getting the Escobar callbacks and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, by having that character back, he feels like such a Miami character. You know, like, he does really feel like he's, you know, straight out of some kind of gangster, you know, thing in Miami. So I think we're just kind of starting to get some of those callbacks that make it feel like Miami. Um, yeah, so I, I just think it's a lot more subtle than potentially it was in season one. But, yeah, I mean, I, I guess my bigger point is that... I I think these guys have gone back and gone what worked in season one let's try and replicate that but maybe you know use what we've learned over you know two seasons of making the show to kind of it's like an enhanced version of season one mm. if, if you kind of get my drift and, and i like that you know because i really enjoyed season one season one was a real revelation to me at just how good it was um and and yeah i think we we're getting all the kind of good elements of season one here and, and potentially with the with the you know, the tension and the volume kind of turned up a couple of notches. Which I think the thing with Season 4, which we'll talk probably a lot more as we conclude this season clearly and when we get to our 4 wrap-up, is that Season 4, on the grand scheme of things, maybe should have been the last season. And I think that if we had have ended it at Season 4, that would have been a very satisfactory, complete television show, even with the stuff we got in Season 3. And I think a lot of what I've been reading lately in terms of, like, these rankings episodes and things like that, I've found old articles and things where people are ranking Ryan Murphy seasons and Ryan Murphy shows. Pretty much the consensus from a lot of people is, like, this should have ended, like, you know, two, three seasons beforehand. A lot of people say it should have ended at season three because, you know, season four is just not that popular. Um, but, like, once we get to the end of it, and I'll, I'll revisit this point because I think... Five, again, is a guilty pleasure. You've got some great stuff with five. I'm just going to repeat myself on what I keep saying with five and six. But, like, when we get to this whole thing, we can look back and easily say five and six weren't really that necessary. On the grand scheme of Nip Tuck, 
you know, we have some fun stuff there in five. Six has maybe like a couple of fun moments. But I think on the grand scheme of things, five and six maybe would have been okay not to have happened. And I think kind of if we, we bookmark this season at the end when we get to this and before we even get into five, before they move to L.A., just think about if this show ended at the end of season four. And I think it would have been a very... And I think Nip Tuck on the grand scheme of things wouldn't be as forgotten about as it is today because I think five and six kind of erased people's memories of how almost completely perfect this show was for a large portion of its early run. So, yeah. Yeah, well, I think, uh, you know, American shows, if I'm going to make a real big generalisation, I think they struggle going out on a high. You know, like I think they always think, let's just do another season, let's just do another season. And I think some of my favourite shows, which are quite often British comedies, is that, you know, I would kill to see another season of, you know, Blackadder, for example, which mm-hmm. is probably my favourite kind of comedy show of all time. But, you know, in, in a sense, like, I'm, I'm kind of pleased they didn't because, you know, it would have never have lived up. You know, it would have just gotten diminishing returns each time. And, and that's definitely what you get here. Yeah. Oh, no, it's I agree. And, like, I mean, Australia's kind of very similar to... We're kind of in the middle ground. I don't know how it is in New Zealand shows. I think we've talked about this before, but, like, a lot of the time our shows are very similar to British ones that they just end after a couple of seasons and then that's it. And they kind of go down like, you know, Kath and Kim and things like that. Of People always want more of it, but it's kind of like, well, you know, I think we've just had enough. We don't need more. Whereas, like, a lot of our dramas and things like, you know, fucking Blue Healers and All Saints and those sort of shows just went on forever. And it's kind of like, just end them. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, they, they lost their peak long time ago. Um, anyway, so, meanwhile, Sean and Julia... Um, was this bit where she's talking? He's talking about missing the nipple, and then Sean's like, "Oh, you know how much it affects me." Um, <laughs> <laughs> bit random. Um, yeah. Marlo's there, and uh, we're sort of hearing about him making such a good recovery that uh, Sean wants to bump up uh, the surgery to the to the other hand, and kind of you know Marlo and Julia are obviously, oh no, this isn't good. Sort of sharing a look, but basically Sean's like oh, you two should take the night off. Like, you should go to a, a movie, Marlo, and Julia, you should go here, and I'm going to have a couple of beers and a Dolphins game. Here's your Miami reference. Um, <laughs> I just love it when they randomly drop a Miami sports team or a Florida sports team. Like, people give a shit about Florida sports teams. Um, but, yeah, I, I love Marlo here. Like, oh, maybe I will go to the movies. There's a retrospective playing of whatever the hell. It's some arty-farty movie. Um, and... Basically, uh, Julia's like, oh, I love that movie too. So, oh, you two should go together. Like, okay. Uh, and then we kind of get this scene of the weirdest looking movie theatre I've ever seen in my life. Uh, this is like in a park. And like even the exterior kind of when you see it, like it just does not look like a movie theatre. Maybe this is just the arty-farty cinema of Miami. Um, but, you know, you've got uh, Julia standing next to Marlo, and, of course, everyone is looking at them. You know, he's a little person, and Julia, you know, giving them stares, and kind of, you know, she uh, Marlo obviously says, like, oh, you get used to the stares. I do like Peter Dinklage here, the way he kind of does that, like, oh, when I saw this, it made me want to just paint in reds and greens, like when he does that like, little French accent. Um, and then when he goes to get the ticket, and Dick Ticket Guy doesn't see him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, I love how there's so many people at this movie. This is like some really select... I mean, had you heard of this movie? Is this maybe something that I'm just not cultured enough? I don't know what this is. Like, is this a big deal? Do you not even know what movie they're talking about? Nine Sons. Yeah, no, it's a... a, I assume, you know, and again, if we'd done our homework, um, we never do our homework. So, (laughs) yeah, I mean, it's no surprise to me. But, yeah, I mean... um, is it kind of like some Japanese thing? It kind of feels like that. Nine Sons kind of feels like that's a Japanese movie to me. Maybe. I don't know. But everyone in Miami goes fucking crazy for it because look at that queue. Um, but <laughs> yeah. They're uh, in the cinema. They both kind of have this weird making out session and she's like, I can't do this and leaves. And then we kind of get this back and forth of I have feelings for you. I have feelings for you too. And then it's like, you know, what if you weren't married? And kind of this is... Just back to bipolar Julia. Here she is again. Like, oh, Sean, I love you. Oh, no, I love you, Marlo. Um, And then, obviously, we kind of get... I think Marlo here is uh, believing that, you know, she's weirded out by, I guess, his size and kind of, you know, just the look. He's he's a very good... We talked about this before, I think, Peter Dinklage. He's a very good facial actor. Um, So, yeah, uh, they kind of go off and then... Back at Christian's house, he's just laying around on the couch as a knock on the door. I love his line. If you were a pizza, I'd get you for free. Um, <laughs> which, 
Which is, what does uh, James say? Like, oh, but if I was a pizza, you know, uh, I'd be cold. And some things are better when they're warmer, you know, better warming up. Um, and like, it, yeah, who kind of um, um, flirt talkers is, is shit. Oh, really? I like, I just love the chemistry between these two. Like, I just, I'm kind of annoyed these two never have sex. Spoiler alert. Because um, you just <laughs> you just feel they're going to do this for like shock value of like them eventually hooking up. Like you're not expecting Christian to hook up with like this older woman. Um, <clears throat> but I, I just love the chemistry between these two and just the flirtatious back and forth. And you know what is what does uh, Jane say? Like, do I seem like the cuddly type? Um, and the way she just I love it when she just gets this drink and Christian's just like, sure, help yourself. <laughs> and then it's some yeah. really weird, expensive drink. I don't know my alcohol. Um, what is, what is Christian's toast down the hatch and up the snatch? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she's obviously, you know, talking about, oh, it's, you know, something so old and aged and, you know, it's perfect. And uh, I just love Christian where it's like, you have some balls to come on to me. And there's just this back and forth they have. Like, I don't know. I just love this sort of scene when like, you know, he's being all aggressive and then all of a sudden she's like, I have the power and he's sort of feeling strange and he collapses. And then just the way she just the way she answers the, rings the phone. It's like Michelle, come quickly. There's an emergency. Uh, I just I just love her acting. I just love she's just so I don't know. She's just something about Jacqueline Bissett, The way she does this, like it's just so good. Um, and then she yeah, so she Michelle comes over and uh, we basically learn that she's not planning on keeping Christian alive. So why not take both kidneys? Uh, and then she threatens Michelle like you've got 21 hours to find me a kidney. Uh, or that Christian will die. And I like that line Michelle gives of, is there nothing human left in you? And then just the way she's just like, tick-tock, better hurry. Um, and then just this random scene of James, like, let's see what all the fuss is about. <laughs> just like, looks at his penis. Impressive. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps another time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I just love this after, scene. After I've cut your kidneys out, I'm, I'm then going to, like, play with your dick. Like, oh, yeah, it's a, it's a weird one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll cap it there. I mean, I don't know if you must add on this scene. Um, other than that, I think um, one thing I don't think we've ever actually pointed out, but um, Jacqueline Bissett kind of looks like she should be um, um, Liz Hurley's mother. Like, they, they look so <laughs> similar, I reckon. It's just, I, I never really noticed it before until we kind of get to the scene. Um, you know, I think it's really good. Um Again, I think we're we're, we're straying into the kind of um, the soap opera territory of you know poisoning Christian. I think, and I think you know if anyone can kind of pull this off without it looking kind of completely stagey and, and cheesy, it, it's um, Julian McMahon. And, and I think he does a really good job here of, of not making this too overly dramatic. I think it, yeah, he he manages to sell it without it being like ridiculously OTT. So I've got to give him full credit for that. I'm just thinking, was Jacqueline Bissett not known for some form of soap opera at some point? Because she's kind of a very good sort of, like, I mean, I'm, she's, I think, a better actor than a soap opera actor. But, like, I think she's also kind of got a bit of a soap opera vibe about her, if you know what I mean. Like, she would be like an evil matriarch on a soap opera. Um, but maybe I'm thinking of someone else. No, she's not on here that I can see. Um, but anyway. Um, so, this is where we get to meet Alanis Morissette for the first time. Uh, isn't it ironic? Don't you think? Here she is. Um, Liz and, and Poppy, her name is. And we hear that, uh, you know, she's, she's a fitness junkie. She's getting Liz into shape after she's recovering. And, you know, that health is so great. And she's, like, talking to Liz about, oh, we're not here for pity parties. Come on. Um, and I just kind of randomly, like, Lizzie grabbing her face. Like, isn't this the cutest face that you've ever seen? And just, like, give some kissing. Uh, so, you know, I, I didn't really get a chance to ask, uh, Roman Mafia about what was it like kissing Alanis Morissette. Um, but, uh, yeah, and then obviously Christian walks in, he's a bit of a dick to Liz and, uh, Poppy, he's got his sunglasses on, it looks like he's had a bender, but obviously we find out this is where he's been, uh, drugged, um, and, uh, yeah, this is when he first reveals to Sean that, uh, Michelle used to be a hooker, and then we find out that he was drugged, and will he go to the police, uh, and... Christian basically says no, quickly let, quietly let it go. Um, kind of a throwaway line about medical disposal that the people have been on strike, um, and that, oh, they're finally here to collect it. <gasps> Excuse me, God. So, so can I just can I can I can I just can I just rewind a little bit? Sure. So um, just just because I you know uh, to be honest, I'm not engaging with the storyline all that much. So <laughs> can, did I did I miss something that 
somewhere about why they keep him alive, you know, like because obviously he's going to wake up and he's going to know that it was James. Um, so it was a. Is it just because of Michelle's involvement? Well, they don't. They haven't cut his kidney yet. They, 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 they basically Michelle uh, James can't cut the kidneys out herself. Uh, she can't kind of kill him straight away because I think Michelle will know, and obviously Christian's a bit more connected. Uh, which is kind of interesting when we get to an episode later this season, the extents that uh, James will go to to get organs, but we'll get to that later. Um, yeah, so I'm guessing she can't just straight out kill this guy because everyone knows who he is. And so she gets Michelle to come over and basically says to Michelle, like, let's kill him. Because um, then she's like, oh, you know, I can get the kidneys out and I know these two Asian gentlemen who can dispose of a body. So I guess she has to get a surgeon to get these out first so they're not kind of dead and all this sort of stuff. Anyway, and then she's then threatened Michelle to basically be like, look, you need to find me another kidney, otherwise I'll kill Christian. Um, so that's kind of her way of doing it because I also think she doesn't want to necessarily hurt Christian in the first place. And I think kind of with Christian... He doesn't want to go to the police because, um, you know, if he goes to the police with James and James is going to say stuff about him and then James will obviously spill the beans to Michelle as well. So it's kind of like a, you know, he can't really do anything about this and what's he going to say ultimately? So I don't think that Christian here has said to Sean that it was James because he says, oh, it was a madam that Michelle used to work for. So he actually doesn't tell Sean who this is. So he's kind of keeping his cards close to his chest because ultimately, too, as we're going to get here, he wants to get revenge on James as well with the with the waste. So um, I think a lot of it is just Christian just wanting to fix this himself. Because, I mean, when do they ever go to the cops? Haven't we worked this out enough on Nibtuck? <laughs> yeah, so, uh, I mean, I, this is, I guess, part of the problem for me is that it, it, it feels a little bit... Um, convoluted. Um, this isn't straightforward, and I think it, it gets even more confusing later on when obviously um, Christian gets another hooker. So, yeah, I mean, to me, I just I, I feel like I'm having to work harder than I probably should to follow the storyline. Like it shouldn't be as complicated as it is. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, to, to me, I mean, James obviously knows that these two are, you know, somewhat, you know, they're not an item as such, but they are obviously involved with each other. And so this is probably not a plan that's going to work particularly well. Um, that Michelle's probably not going to be um, on board with, you know, killing this guy. It, it just seems just seems too far-fetched to me. Well, I also think it comes down to the fact that James is also panicking. This is the first time she's kind of not as cool because she's been threatened, essentially. So she's kind of using her ways of well, shit, how am I going to get this? I obviously can't get Michelle to do this again. The only way I can get Michelle to do this again is if I threaten Christian because she's also like, well, look, I know she's in love with him. So basically, how will I get Michelle to do my bidding again? I know I'll threaten the man he she loves. So I guess I think there's a bit of that there too. And kind of, I think the prostitute comes into it because it probably basically gets to the end of this nearly 21 hours where she's kind of like, shit, you know, I'll, she's not going to come through for me. So I'm going to have to come up with a contingency plan. So let's get another girl who can obviously, not a surgeon because she's just using a razor blade. So it's kind of like, you know, James doesn't like blood or something like that. And then obviously she cancels it at the last minute because obviously what Michelle's going to do with Bert. So I kind of think that's kind of what happens. I can see where you think it's complicated. I'm, I mean, I enjoy it. I kind of love the how it's kind of got all these layers to it. Um, so, yeah, I just think James is kind of panicking at this point and he's just kind of like, shit, what am I going to do? French Asian men are going to come after me. Um, which again, French Asian men, that's that's a weird thing. Anyway, that's not weird, Ben. Don't, that's, that's probably sounded really racist. I didn't mean it that way. Anyway, <laughs> we've got uh, Marlo here uh, showing up to McNamara Troy. He wants a leg lengthening procedure because uh, a woman he's involved with is having difficulty dealing with the height disparity. Now, this whole um, like flash sort of sequence here where they kind of show what it would take, God, it's gross. Like This is getting one of these cringy ones here where they're talking about putting bolts in his bones and stretching his bones and all this sort of stuff, breaking his tibula and fibula bones and things like that. And the pain is considerable because they can't give him the drugs for it because they're, they're known to stunt bone growth and things like that. One millimeter a day. And essentially, this is all for three to six inches, um, which is it's crazy. That's not that much at all. Um, hey, 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 three to six inches. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, I mean, for you, maybe. I prefer mine things <laughs> a certain size, uh, smaller. Uh, but I like how he's kind of got this fantasy of um, him going back to the cinemas and he's all the same height as Julian. He's like, two for nine sons, please. 
after you, like Mr. Confident. Um, but it's, yeah, um, it's kind of, like, this is obviously this episode where this is kind of this thing, isn't it? We've got it with Liz and now this is kind of against Marlo's character. But, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's different in a way, I think, with Marlo because I guess we don't know Marlo as much as we know Liz, but... It also kind of seems to be like, oh, he's panicking. He's going to do this because, you know, again, Julia makes men do random things because uh, she's so amazing. Um, but, yeah, it's... it's I don't know. I just This always makes me cringe, these scenes where you see kind of what this would look like. Yeah, I think I think that that's really cool. And, um, you know, I, I think that the show does really well at showing, not telling. And, you know, it's something that you, you can sometimes forget that the show does really, really well. And this is a this is a really good example of that. It, it, it is. It's horrifying to watch this. Um, and, and to me, not so much even just the, I mean, the, the surgery scene is bad enough. But I think the kind of scenes where you see him, you know, after the surgery and, you know, on the hospital bed and... Mm. and Extreme pain, I think, is also really good too. So, yeah, I think it's um, it, it's great. I yeah, totally enjoy this this part of the um of the episode. I think it's it's well done. We then get our surgery, Liz scene, and this is where we find out that Poppy, okay, Alanis Morissette's a bit of a dick. Uh, she's yes. basically going on about like you know, imagine rolling over to her every single morning. Look at these flabby arms, and she's basically like, oh, while she's under, let's take some of this out of the arms and. You know, Christian and Sean are like, mm, let's just stick to what she wants. And, uh, you know, yeah, Dick Poppy here. I do love the fact that we've got, what, Billy Joel, just the way you are, playing in the background. Don't go changing. Try and please me. Um, I just, you know, you might think it's cheesy. I kind of think it works. Um, oh, no, it's good. I like it. Yeah. Uh, so, what have we got here? Um... Where am I missing here right now? Oh, this is... Oh, we just... Sorry, I'm reading here. Christian leaves. And this is um, where... Uh, what does is, what is, um, Poppy say here about, like, oh, typical men, inflatable egos or a small penis or something like that? I just love Nurse Linda rolling her eyes. <laughs> just the way she says it. It's kind of funny. Um... Meanwhile, I, there's nothing really to add on that scene. I can gel over it. Come back to this. I'll just go over these scenes together. Uh, we've got James at a car. She goes to open the door. And, uh, yeah, it's filled with um, all the waste that we were talking about before that had been building up because the, uh, the disposable people were on strike. I just love cocky Christian here. You know, like, bonjour, James. Care for lunch? Um, what did she say? Like, oh, it smells like air de French cooch. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and then he's, yeah. he's sort of lying when he, like, um, she's like, oh, that was a $100,000 car. And he's just like, oh, a woman who won the lottery paid me four times that to ride my dick. Uh, so, you know, yeah. I'll send the rest uh, in an invoice. And because uh, I'm guessing he's implying that uh, she raped him or something like that. But then he, she's just basically like, I'll send you a woman, you know. And he's like, well, I want a, you know, a, a very good person. You know, I don't want um, someone, you know, crap. And, and you know, I'll top of the line. She was like a, a Saudi prince's person or whatever, like that sort of stuff. But, like, you got to kind of question this in a way. Like, how does he get that in the car without, you know, like... Yeah, the logistics of this kind of don't make sense, do they? Uh, no, not really. But, it, you know, it's kind of like a good scene. Um, it does feel a little bit out of place. Like, it feels like something out of jackass as opposed to something off nip tuck. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, it's a good, it's a, it's a fun moment, I think. And, and yeah, I, I, I don't worry about it too much. I do, like, we get, um, Liz waking up here. Can we just talk about the makeup here? That, like, Liz looks terrible. Uh, but that's the point. <laughs> like, I'm not trying to be mean here to Roma Mafia if you ever listen to this, Roma. Um, but I think that is the point, that she's just had surgery. So she's kind of worn out and tired, and the makeup here looks amazing to make her look terrible. Um, but just a nice little scene here between herself and Sean, and Sean's, you know, like, oh, we're you know, just talking about Poppins. Like, you hate her. Uh, and then um, what is what does she say? She's like, the woman loves me. And then Sean's like, I'm really happy for you. Can we just establish the fact that that was said at the beginning of this episode that they met two weeks ago? Um, yeah. Like, again, I know the theme of this episode is love makes you do crazy things because, in all seriousness, Marlo and Julia have just been hanging out for a little bit and had one kiss and well, two kisses and that's about it. But again, you know, I can't comment on that. Love makes you do crazy things. Um, and then Poppy comes in and kind of um, has sort of a, a little bit of a cuddle with her, basically. And she's like, let's go back in a month and we can do some more. And just a look on, um, you know, Liz's face. She's obviously questioning a little bit here about kind of, you know, uh, what 
what they're kind of implying here about poor old uh, poor old Liz and what uh, Poppy's saying behind. Um, what's going on here? Oh, so uh, there's a there's a random hot woman in the in the waiting room, and Michelle comes in, and uh, you know Christian's being all cocky here, and I thought that's a little gift uh, from your good friend James, and you know Michelle's obviously warning Christian like don't trust her, you know. Uh, and then just, I just kind of like this scene again, even like when they're fighting, they've got just this great sexual chemistry between the two and, uh, you know, clearly Michelle's kind of defending her decision to stay with Bert. Uh, and then, you know, Christian's kind of like, look, how much money is he leaving you? Um, and then Christian just doesn't give a shit. He's just like, I've got a dick. I'm just going to go out and do this. And he leaves with the, um, very attractive girl. Can I just say that? I don't know if you, she's your cup of tea at all, Nick, but, um, yeah, Yep. Yeah, she's. is it Elena? Is that her name? Because I'm just looking here at the actor. Olga Fonda um, is the actor's name um, for those playing at home. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just I just love this scene. I love these two. It's just how they work off each other. So I don't know if you kind of have anything to add here. But yeah, I just kind of love any Michelle Christian scene that we do get. Um, I, I, I guess um, we find out that Michelle's 30. I don't know if that's of, of interest to you at all. Oh, well, that's true. She's the age I am right now, which is weird. Doesn't, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, I'd agree. They, they do play well off each other. It's a, it's fun to watch these two. And, and, you know, I think that, you know, when they're kind of happy, they play well, but they also, yeah, the attention is really good too. Um, no, I really enjoy it. I agree. Uh, so... Uh, Meanwhile, Julia uh, is with Connor and um, Sean, after liking the mural at one point, wants to paint over it. Uh, (laughs) And then this is kind of where Sean mentions to Julia about, um, oh, you know, Marlo came in today and wanted a great uh, uh, doctor-patient confidentiality here, Sean. You're really keeping keeping up the, uh, the old oath here. Uh, the hypocritical oath, <laughs> as they often say. Uh, so, uh, Julia basically hears this and kind of gets, you know, oh, I'm going to go for a walk. I can't watch you do this because he's about to extend the, um, the, the screws in Connor's hand. Uh, which, uh, great makeup effects here. Like, the stitched up hand looks amazing. Um, and then, you know, poor old little Connor's crying here as Sean does it. Meanwhile, uh, Julia hasn't gone for a walk. Well, she has gone for a walk in some aspects. She's gone over to Marlowe's house, who just has an open door policy at Marlowe's. Um, and he's painting these weird things. Um, and then we kind of, kind of get this scene where, you know, Julia confronts him. I, I, I think kind of you can see the look on, um, Marlo's face when, like, she mentions it to him. Like, he's like, oh, fuck, doctor, patient confidentiality. Come on. Um, but, you know, this is kind of the bit there where, you know, Julia's like, there is no us. And then Marlo's like, oh, you won't be married forever. It's like, Jesus Christ, are they getting divorced already? They just got married. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, just the line when he obviously says, like, you know, every other way we're perfect, you know, uh, it doesn't matter about the, the size or whatever. And this when Julia's like, there's not one thing I'd change about you. We've got whisper moaning Julia again. Um, and they have sex. Uh, <laughs> so... Julia is the one now to have an affair. Why not? Um, and then we kind of just get this scene of them laying in bed with each other, and she's just like, uh, yeah, got to go. So off she pops. Um, yeah, I mean, please feel free to chime in here if you've got anything to add on that scene. Otherwise, I can keep going. Um, Julia and Marlo yeah, finally have sex. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it's, I mean... Um I don't find it particularly affecting, but I don't think it's bad either. I think it's, you know, it's a perfectly fine scene, um, which (laughs) makes it sound like, that that probably makes it sound like it's it's not. But yeah, I mean, it's okay. You know, there's nothing about it that I hate and there's nothing about it that I think, oh, well, it's amazing. I think it's probably good payoff for for where we've kind of gone with these characters. So, you know, I think if they didn't end up having sex, I think it would be, Probably disappointing um, in a sense. I think we're probably that's where it's been leading to. So yeah, in, in that sense, I'm you know I'm I'm quite happy with what we get here. And for the first time uh, on Oz Network history, not only will we have the top five scenes of season four, we will also have the perfectly fine top five uh, <laughs> yeah, scenes yeah. of Nip Tuck season four. Yeah, it's perfectly fine. Um, yeah, that's all right. <laughs> But uh, I, I love 
this this whole section here right now. Um, and again, like I'm not going to put this up for a nominee for a final five because I think we've already got enough good candidates and we'll have plenty more to come this season. But um, it's just something about this how this all sort of ends. We've kind of got Michelle just like looking in the mirror. We've got this uh, sort of maid. Uh, who, you know, was talking about uh, the pills and everything, and basically Michelle sends her home. Michelle um, leaves her pills down uh, the bottom of the stairs, and it's like, yes, Bert, I'll come straight back up. Um, meanwhile, Christian sort of, inter- you know, our famous nip-tuck interchangeable scenes here. Christian and the hooker are getting it on, and she's sucking his fingers, and he's all like, oh, I need those in the morning. Um, and then, you know, Bert and uh, Michelle... Uh, kind of just having this back and forth here. He needs his... He's not feeling well. He needs his pills. Uh, so Michelle's kind of like, oh, I'll go look for them. And, um, you know, she's just like, oh... He's like, oh, no, keep me company. And he wants to see her boobs and nuzzle them. Um, and then just kind of like... I just love how this sort of comes out of the blue a little bit. Like, in the way, like, Michelle's kind of stuck by his side. And then, obviously, just kind of the last conversation she's had with Christian has sort of set something off in her head. And clearly, also, the fact, too, that she sort of needs some kidneys. Otherwise, Christian will die. So, she's basically had this conversation with Bert where Bert's like, Oh, you know, never buy a used car, even though it's been a sweet ride. And she's just like, No, it hasn't. Uh, and then he's just like, what? And it's like, you know, whatever love I had for you di- died the day that you asked me to sleep with another man in front of you. Um, and like, I, 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 it's kind of is very soap opera but again, this is kind of nip-tuck soap opera that works to me. Um, and like, you got to sort of look at, um, uh, why do I always go blank on his name when I'm about to talk about, uh, Bert? Um, God damn it. Why have I gone blank on his name, Nick? Um, um, God damn it. Uh, Larry Hagman, thank you. Um, he was obviously in Dallas, which was, you know, probably the most famous primetime soap opera in the history of primetime soap operas. So kind of like he's, he's got this great acting about him that you kind of feel this. But, um, yeah, like Michelle's obviously, you know, admitting that, you know, I stayed because I pitied you and, you know, you don't do that to somebody you love. And then kind of, you know, he's obviously starting to panic a little bit. It's like, get my pills. And she's just like, they're in the living room. And he's just like, well, I'll get them myself. And it's this music. Like, it is so soap opery, but I just, I just love it. Um, and then it kind of keeps cutting back to Christian and kind of this very attractive hooker. And, uh, Christian goes, goes away to get something. She pulls out a, a razor. Uh, meanwhile, Bert collapses and it's basically, he's dead. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about this. It's kind of not exactly obvious that he's dead or not, but we're going to find out next episode that he dead. So, um, Bert dies and Michelle then gets ready to basically chop his kidneys out. Um, and obviously, yeah, this prostitute hooker back at Christian's has got the razor ready to go. She gets the text message on the weirdest looking phone I've ever seen that just says, abort <laughs> from James. Um, I don't, it's just something about this. It's just tense. I love the music. It's great. Um, and just, I just love this scene. I love the back and forth. It reminds me a lot of, um, is it season three of 24 when Sherry's there and she kind of has that person who, that there's that guy who's got all that information, uh, on like Palmer or something that could bring down his presidency. And she basically stops him from getting his pills so that he dies. Um, you know, it's very soap opery, but I don't know. I just love this scene, this whole sequence back and forth. Um, dick moment from Christian where he's like, I'm going to need my uh, fingers in the morning for surgery. It's like, yeah, asshole, we all need our fingers in the morning. Uh, I'm not sure, not sure any of us have a, have a job where we don't need our fingers, but, um, yeah. Um, but no, I, I mean, there are bits I like, like I, I, I really love the shot where, you, you know, you, you from, you kind of seen Bert crawl and you can mm. see Michelle in the background just kind of standing there. I think that's really powerful. Um, and so that's really good. I think there are bits of it that I really, really like, but, um, for me, it's just too far fetched, you know, like the idea that this guy is going to die and then she's just going to cut his, his kidneys out and, you know, nobody's, and I mean, those are going to be pretty useless kidneys for a start, <laughs> but you know, the, the, the fact, the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, the, the, the nurse just left, you know, giving him, giving Michelle all those drugs. And um, the next thing, you know, Bert's going to be dead with his kidneys missing. It just like this just seems like a, a stretch too far. And yeah, I think you got it right. It's a, it's that soap opera stuff. I think if you can kind of, um, you know, if, if you can kind of separate yourself from, from how ludicrous and ridiculous it is, then yeah, there's, there's lots to like here. I think it's well shot. I think it's, 
Um, I, you know, I think the performance has been given by the actors, is, is, and Michelle in particular, I think she yeah. does really, really well on these things. Um, so I think there's lots to like. For me, it's just too much. Um, so it, it's hard for me to really get into. Um, one thing I've got to say is, obviously, you know, he's talking about the hooker gets the you know abort mission. So yeah, she just gets to have sex with Christian for you know just for the hell of it. Now that's that's pretty good. Yeah, and also good for Christian that he gets to have sex with her. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I'm glad you went for the. Oh, it's good that she gets to have sex with Christian, and I'm the one who's gone. Oh, she's hot. So um, <laughs> <laughs> really, we see. Well, she's got to be happy about that. You know, now she doesn't have to cut somebody's throat anymore. She just gets to have sex with them. So you know, she's probably going to be happy about that. I'd imagine in many many ways. Um, meanwhile, Julia comes home. Uh, she looks a bit dishevelled, doesn't she? <laughs> Sean, that was a long walk. Um, it's like, yeah. I sat by the ocean and watched a, the a waves. Long, a long walk up Marlowe's deck. <laughs> we know what they say about little people. What do they say on awesome powers? Oh, my goodness. You're a tripod. Uh, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it looks like a baby's arm holding an apple. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love those movies. I need to watch them again. Um, but, you know, I love how she's like, I sat by the ocean and watched waves. Sean's like, by yourself? And then she's like... I don't want to lie. I was at Marlowe's. You just lied. Like, you need to come out with straight away. Like, hi, honey. Oh, that was a long work walk. Oh, I was at Marlowe's. Like, that's not lying. You lied and then covered up your lie. Um, and, you know, he's my friend. We Somebody to talk to about his leg lengthening procedure. Yes. I'm going to have a shower and go to bed. And then just Sean the, you know, props again to Dylan Walsh's facial acting. Just a great sort of shocked look on his face. Uh, and that's the end of uh, Liz Cruz, as in the episode. Our beloved Liz Cruz is still alive, don't worry. Um, but yeah, anything else you want to add? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a good, almost cliffhanger type finish to the episode, I suppose. Um, you know, like it's just, yeah, like you say, the kind of shocked face that, that Sean has is, is kind of like a good way to end the episode. And um, yeah, we're going to get into that more in the next episode. So yeah, it, it's a good way to finish the, the episode, I think. Yeah, I agree. I 100% agree. Uh, that obviously leads us now into our uh, review section. I mean, I'm intrigued to see what you're going to do here, Nick, because um, I feel like you might be about to break the streak. I don't know if I'm kind of jumping to conclusions here. Well, I might, I might let you go first, actually. Well, I'm buying it. Um, I, I I, just... The last... That whole sequence that I talked about, how I really enjoy that kind of scene towards the end. I just I just really, really enjoy that stuff. Um, I just love the James stuff in this episode. Uh, I love the Michelle kind of Christian scene that we had. Uh, I love the comedy sort of at the beginning, just with Christian kind of being a dick with the the, the, the surgery piece of paper kind of saying all the stuff that she needs. Uh, we didn't really talk about Alanis Morissette's great acting. Well, I know we touched on that last week, but, you know, props to Alanis Morissette. When you hear she's going to be in this, you think, oh, great, another random pop star cameo. It's going to be shit. But she's actually a really good actor, Alanis Morissette. So, um, yeah, I, I, I love this episode. I mean, I, I don't love it as much as, say, some of the others this season, and I'll, I'll say that in a minute when I show you my rankings. But, um, yeah, this, to me, is this is definitely a buy for me. Right, so I guess for me, when I watched this episode, as I, you know, I was what I ultimately came to when I thought about this was if we weren't at the end of this long streak, or in the middle of this long streak, perhaps, um, is that how would I how would I rank this episode? Um, because I think probably what is colouring my thoughts at the moment is that we're in this awesome streak, and that would be cool to keep it going. But um, you know, just as a standalone episode, without all that other stuff that I'm thinking about, it has to be a rent. Um, and I hate to break the streak, but yeah, I am. I am breaking the streak. It's a, it's a rent for me. Um, and it's not a terrible episode, but it's just it's not as good as some of the others, and it just feels like we are. Um, we, we're into some dangerous territory in terms of it getting melodramatic, um, getting a little bit silly, um, and you know me totally not understanding what the hell's going on sometimes. So um, you know, I, I don't think I'm that stupid that I can't follow what's going on here. So I think it's probably just gotten a little bit too convoluted for me. So it's definitely a watchable episode, and it's nowhere near a bin. So you know, in terms of where it would sit on the on the rent scale, it is um, it's a high rent. Um, but yeah, I think it's just, there's, there's too much that I just can't connect with here to make it a buy. So I feel real bad because I am really enjoying this season. And, you know, if this is the worst it gets, then, um, then 
that's that's a great thing because it's still way better than most of what we got in season three. So yeah, I mean it's it, it is a rent, and and I I hate to do it, but yeah, it, it, if, you know I've got to protect the integrity of our system. So um, it, for me, that's that's where I'm sitting. Which I'm very intrigued to how you're going to take Conor McNamara 2026 because again, you know that it just depends on how you'll take that episode. But um, yeah, like, I think the kind of thing I learnt kind of in doing these is like particularly with our third watch ones in season two when I was on an epically long streak and I kind of came to a an episode where I'm like, look, should I? Keep keep the streak going you know i could potentially buy this episode but i'm glad i didn't because um i don't want to just keep things going for streak's sake which like i'm not trying to be offensive here to to brandy and darvell on our third watch episodes i kind of think sometimes they do do that um and they don't kind of look at things completely uh you know diplomatically in the middle and again i could be completely wrong i could just be well out of my place to, to kind of accuse them of that and i don't mean to do that in a in a negative light but um I think it's important to kind of look at these things and like I, I definitely understand all your points there but I mean I'll say that I'm not doing this just to keep a streak I, I genuinely believe this is a buy it so that's kind of my viewpoint but oh yeah no and, and I'm de- yeah I'm not accusing you of that at all I, I definitely don't I know I can like I guess for me is I can see this being a buy um yeah and I think if you know I think it just depends on how much you you find that stuff a bit too over mm-hmm. the top and for me yeah, for me it is too over the top. But if you if you don't feel that way, then yeah, I can totally see it being a buy. Like I say, it's high on the rent scale, um, and you know it's it's just a million miles away from from even some of the 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 good rents that we had last season. I think it's just it's still way way better than that because it's all character driven. So um, it's definitely watchable, and and you know I would I would watch it again, but it wouldn't be wouldn't be on high on my rotation list if um if, if I was watching this again. Well, I will say that in terms of I've ranked this 29th overall, which out of 54 episodes. But I will say this is the lowest I've ranked a season four episode. So this is like, um, out of all nine episodes we've had on my overall list of rankings, this is the lowest I've got so far. So, um, yeah, I've, I've kind of just got them on the cusp there, sort of of that, you know, there's only one, two, three, four below this on my list before you get to the rents. So that's kind of the perspective. So, yeah, and, uh, and uh, you know, sitting just inside the top 30 percent of it you know like the, so the, the the kind of yeah right in that level feels about right to me which yeah. will be sort of a middle of the range if we kind of look at this because you know obviously there's going to be a lot of things below this come season six um and you know p- parts of season five as well so yeah there is that too uh but on the grand scheme of opposites this next week um meryl bobblet I love this episode. Uh, and this is kind of one of these ones that I kind of watched it where I thought, like, I felt this could also be maybe one that you might be indifferent. I don't know. Because I feel there's stuff in this one that you're either going to love, you're going to hate. And it's kind of it's interesting because it's, it's kind of all over the place, this episode, in many levels. But there's just some great stuff in this episode. There just really is some great stuff in this episode. And... You know, we get the return of kind of two of our favourites, Meryl Bobolet, and we also get a proper return of Escobar. I know we've had him in terms of dream sequences, but spoiler alert, we get him back in his all proper glory. So, um, yeah, I, I love this episode. This, to me, is just an amazing episode of Nip Tuck, and uh, one that, to me, I'm just going to say this right now, could potentially be in the top 10 at the end of my run, just as on a personal level. I just I just love Meryl Bobblehead as an episode of Nip Tuck. Well, if you're not sure where I'm going, then I'm not going to spoil the surprise, so I might just sit on my thoughts on this, um, other than to say it is it is a memorable episode one way or the other. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm really looking forward to going into that one. It's um, There's plenty to talk about, and, and that's always fun. And, of course, the following week when we get into Conor McNamara 2026. Uh, anyway, uh, if you like us, then cool. Uh, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, subscribe uh, on all the other channels as usual. And uh, we appreciate any feedback you want to give us. Uh, if you're enjoying these Nip Tuck episodes, we'd love to hear from you uh, because that's what we like as a podcast. Our payment is your reaction or actual money. If you want to give us actual money, we won't say no. Uh, but we'll be back next <laughs> week uh, for Meryl Bobblet. In the meantime, my name is Ben, and do I seem like the cuddly type? And I'm Nick, and uh, I want to dazzling enough that it'll give my dick amnesia. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.